0: Well, turn then to Psalm 91 and Psalm 4. Psalm 4 and Psalm 91. We've been talking for a few weeks about a subject we're calling perfect protection. Perfect protection. Psalm 4 is our text. Psalm 4, 8, he said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. That's your beach tossing and turning. Amen. Being scared and worrying, doesn't it? Yeah. I will lay me down in peace and sleep. For you, Lord, only make me dwell in safety. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You make me dwell in safety, or perfect, or complete safety, or protection, other translations bring out. We read over in the New Testament that the Bible said in the last days there would be perilous times. Well, this is much later than when that was written. And are we living in perilous, dangerous times? Yeah, we've gotten uh, desensitized to the violence, and, you know, we hear it on the news every day, not just internationally, but nationally and locally. Somebody killed somebody, and somebody, you know, ran over somebody, robbed somebody, raped somebody, stole from somebody, and, and we think, oh, it's bad. But you've heard it so much until you're not surprised at all. When you hear it on the news, and it hasn't gotten better, has it? The last several years, you know, it's dangerous. And according to these verses, we don't have the word to stand on to put our faith on it that we're going to believe that the entire earth becomes a safe place. Didn't say it's going to get safer. Well, then it's going to be perilous. And I guess become more so. But here's the question. Can God keep you safe? Can God protect you in the midst of a dangerous, perilous place? Well, we believe absolutely that he can. And he will. But we are seeing that we have a part in it. It's not just all up to him. As in thing after thing. I mean we ought to know that. Uh, The most important thing in our life. Being born again. Is not all up to God. Whether you're eternally saved. Or eternally lost. Whether you're born again or not. Is that all up to God? No it's not. He paid the price. And made it available to us. And told us to go and proclaim. And preach the good news. To every creation. And the ones that believe. And act on it. They'll be saved. The ones that don't, won't. Do we have a part to play in it? Well then if we got a part to play in the most important issue. Why would we think it'd be different for lesser issues? Do we have a part to play in our prosperity? In our healing? In our being used of God? In our needs being met? In our prosperity? In our protection? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, in spite of the fact that millions of Christians prefer what I call no-fault religion. What I mean by that is no matter what happens, it's not their fault. No matter what doesn't happen, it's not their fault. You even got a group of people that try to believe whether we're saved or lost, it's not our fault. It's up to God. God picks and chooses. And then you got a whole lot of folk that don't believe that. They believe that we have something to do with being saved, but then they go back to that on everything else. Well, yeah, but when it's healing, it's just all up to God. When it's prosperity, it's just all up to God. When it's protection, well, sometimes He protects you, sometimes He don't. And we don't know why. In fact, you just never know <laughs> what God's going to do, which is not a scripture. Right. Have you found it in the Bible? It is not a verse. Can you tell what God's going to do? I mean, that's a real insult. What if you said, well, Brother Keith said that he's going to come speak tonight at the church. And somebody looked at you and said, well, you just never know what Brother Keith's going to do. Uh Did they compliment me? No. No. Well, he said he was going to come. Yeah, I know he said that. But his ways are mysterious. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, that's a fancy way of saying he's unreliable. And he may be a liar. He might have said he would do it, but he may not do what he said he would do. So it's a very unkind thing to say about God. You just never know what God's going to do. If he said he would do something, you can count on him doing what he said he would do. So watch about this, you just never know. No. The issue is, we have a part. We have a responsibility in all these things. And when something goes wrong, or it doesn't happen that it should have happened, we're not just supposed to start blaming God and trying to be theological and, well, you just never know. No, come right back here. Did we do our part? And again, and again, and again, you know what you're going to find out? Nope. No, you didn't do your part. That's right. God never fails. Amen. Can't be failure on his part. He never fails to keep his word. So it can't be it. I know I was uh, teaching in healing school, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry years ago. And I was teaching on, uh, I believe it was uh, James 5. And uh, laying hands on the sick and the elders and the oil. And after the service, a lady came up with her Bible and she just pitched it up on the podium and kind of looked at me. Well, she wasn't happy. I could tell that. (laughs) She said, I wish you'd tell me something, please, sir. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, you got something to deal with here. So I said, I will if I can. I said, I don't know everything. She said, why doesn't that work? Well, I just glanced down and saw it was the Bible. And I said, it does. She said, no, it doesn't. I said, yeah, it does. She said, uh-uh. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> We're getting nowhere fast. I said, what are you talking about? She pointed specifically to James 5, 14 and 15, 16. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. I said, it does work. I've seen it work. I've been a part of it working. She said, no, it don't work all the time. Didn't work for me. I said, really? She said, no. I said, let's go over this slowly. I said, you were sick. She said, yeah, and still am. I said, you called for the elders of the church? She said, yeah. I said, they prayed over you and anointed you with oil? Yeah. And then in the name of the Lord, they prayed the prayer of faith? She said, yeah. I said, but the Lord didn't raise you up? She said, no. I said, hmm. I said, let's go over this again. (laughs) Now, let me just stop right here. What is she saying? Huh? I mean, you can try to skirt this, but what is she, the bottom line? What is she implying? She's aggravated. At who? I didn't even know her. Now, she can't get personally to God, so I'm the next best thing on this particular day. I'm handy. She can see me, so she's going to take it out on me. But I didn't even know her. She's not mad at me. I didn't write that. Huh? So what's she mad about? She's aggravated because somebody, she feels like, let her down. Who? Who? It's got to be God. I said, let's go over this again. I said, you were sick. Still are, yeah. You called for the elders of the church. Yes. They prayed over you, anointed you with oil in the name of the Lord. Yes. They prayed the prayer of faith for you. Yes. And the Lord didn't raise you up. No. No. Didn't heal you, like he said right there. No. I said, "Mm." are you sure you did this and they did this? Yeah, we did. But he didn't do what he said he would do. She said, no. I closed the book. I said, well, sister, I'm sorry. I guess he lied to you. Got quiet. She says, I don't think God lies. I said, me either. (laughs) I said, let's go over this again real slow. I said, you called for the elders of the church. Yeah. They prayed over you, anointed you with oil in the name of the Lord. Yeah. They prayed the prayer of faith over you. Yeah. I said, might I inquire, what exactly did they pray? She said, well, they said, Lord, heal her if it be thy will. Well, it's obvious to me and obviously obvious to you from your response that we know that is not the prayer of faith. But no, she didn't know that. She didn't see. that's all she knew. We know that you cannot pray the prayer of faith with an if it be thy will. We've, thank God we found that out. Hmm? I mean what if a person went down to the altar to get saved and said Lord save me if it be thy will. But if not thy will be done. Is that faith? No. No. They don't even know if it's God's will to save them or not. You can't have faith and you're doubting his will. Faith begins where the will of God is known. But now see, she was, uh, you know, she thought they had it. I began to try to tell her, well, no, sister, that's not the prayer of faith. But what I'm saying is she, nor me, nor you should ever assume God failed. Amen. Never has God let anybody down. Every time something didn't work right, it was always the people's fault. Never God's. Hmm? And people getting results or not getting results does not reveal the will of God. If it did, then people dying lost proves it's God's will for some not to be saved. Are y'all with me or not? If what happens in people's lives. Some say well they didn't get healed. So that proves it wasn't God's will to heal them. Well then you have to take it to the other areas too. Then if somebody didn't get saved. It proves it wasn't God's will for them to be saved. Yep. But it does not. Right. Amen. It's not his will. That any should perish. Well then why do some perish? Because they don't do their part. They don't believe. They don't receive him. And it's that way in every other area of life it's that way with protection Psalm 91 let's review a little bit Psalm 91 we've been taking this verse by verse and we've been seeing that we have a responsibility and then when we do that God tells us he's gonna do something in response to us doing our part and so we want to make sure that we're clear on our part And we're doing our part. Then we know we can count on him to do his part. Verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. And we talked for a whole night about this. This is our part. We are to say something. Aren't we? Don't discount this. Don't diminish this. God created everything that you're sitting on and looking at by words. Right? And he requires words out of your mouth. Doesn't he? How do you get born again? You believe in your heart and what else do you do? You say something with your mouth. You confess Jesus as your Lord. That's how you get born again. Well, how do you get protected? You say something out loud. What do you say? I will say of the Lord. He is my, my, not just the churches, my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Is he talking about protection? Yes. Absolutely. Fortress is what, That's why they build fortresses, yeah. to protect you. And he started out talking about, you know, this whole passage talks about protection. But you have to confess God is your protector. He's the one who keeps me. He protects me. Particularly anything tries to scare you or shake you about yourself, about your kids, about your life, about whatever, you need to start talking. You need to open your mouth and decree it again. The devil tried to... Bring fear and go, oh, watch out, this may happen to you. And you say, no, no, that will not happen to me. That will not happen to my family because God is my protector. God is my refuge. We see a little bit later on that he's saying more of these kind of things. He said a thousand may fall at this side. Ten thousand may fall over here, but it won't happen to me. It won't touch me. Now that's a lot different from, well, you just never know. I mean, nobody wants it to happen to them, but you just never know. Could happen to you. Could be you tomorrow. You know, eight out of ten. It happens. Yeah, but two out of ten go all their life and it doesn't happen to them. Somebody's got to be one of those two. That's me and you. (laughs) Now let's just stop right here. What about the people that think that you and I saying that kind of thing is arrogant and haughty and they don't believe it. And they won't say, God's my protector. It might happen to a thousand over here and ten thousand over here. But it won't happen to me because God protects me. They won't say that. Are they doing their part? No. Would it explain why some things happen to them yes. that shouldn't happen to them? Yes. Do you see this? So yes. people want to make fun. And they want to mock. And then when bad things happen to them, they think it proves that they're right. It proves that this is right. And you should have been saying what he told you to say. Amen. Let's all say it again. Everybody said out loud I say, I say of, the Lord, of the Lord, He is my refuge, is my, refuge my, fortress, my fortress, my protector, my, protector, my God. My I trust in him him to keep me. me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you want to say that more than just tonight. Anything comes up and tries to scare you and bother you, open your mouth and declare that. God protects my family. God keeps us. Right? He looks over us. He protects us. I trust in God to protect me. I'm relying on him. Trusting him to keep me. Right? And all my travels, all my goings, all my doings. You know, you don't have to uh, do something that people consider dangerous to die. Hmm? You can come out the back door at your house and hit a banana peel. <laughs> and hit your head on the corner of the doorstep and be gone. Is that Right? We were down in Central America years ago. I was still in Bible school and supernatural how the Lord got us there. But while we were there, there was an upheaval in the military. Some of our guys that were with us, we were building a church in the mountains, a wood structure, and some of our guys were in the streets passing out tracks. Well, they were around this fort and they were putting some of the tracks through the machine gun holes. (laughs) And some of the people jumped over the wall and started firing at the ones that were inside. And tanks came and surrounded the capital. It was a coup. It was an overthrow. Well, we gathered our guys together and we went back to the missionary compound. And it was a new experience for me. (laughs) I got up in the middle of the night that night. And got a drink of water and I heard this pop, 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 pop. I thought, who's shooting firecrackers out here tonight? And then it dawned on me, you ain't home, bud. And that ain't firecrackers. That's machine gun fire right out there in the street about 300 yards away. We have a lot to be thankful for that we don't have that. Don't we? Because, I mean, it's not a good feeling. And the fear in the streets, I mean, it was tangible. It was like you could feel it. The fear, mothers grabbing their children and running, and people running for cover—you could feel it. Well, we're all back at the compound, and the missionary there, man of God, and we're Bible school students, most of us, and and we're there praying. And you can pray real good yeah. in cases like you get sincere, you know, you you're not so easily distracted. You can pray for lengths of time and not have to eat or. Yeah. Focuses the mind wonderfully. And he said something that I'll never forget. He said, he said, now guys, he said, how many of you feel like the Lord led you to come down here on this trip? I knew he did us. I knew it. I mean, it was supernatural that we were even there. And I knew it. He said, do you understand? You're safer here in the will of God than you are at home where you come from out of the will of God. Right. Thank you, Lord. And it hit me in my spirit. I knew it was true. I mean, you can get hit by a bus crossing the street in Springfield or wherever. Dumb things happen or things that people don't expect. Life is fragile. You know, we don't like to think about it, but how much does it take for you to be out of here? Not much. But you have a God. You have a God. Hallelujah. We read about it later. He will cover you with his feathers under his wings. We talked about the canopy of protection. And I sensed it. And every one of us came home, not a scratch, not a problem. And actually, before that thing was over, they had a Christian president who gave favor to the ministries there. And it just, you know, there wasn't the bloodshed like that you see in a lot of these things. They just, it was over real quick and uh, in better hands, better leadership. But can God protect you anywhere? Anywhere. Our troops need to know this, don't they? They need to know this when they're storming through places in the middle of the night and enemy all around. I don't care where you are or what is going on. If you are in the will of God and if you're saying God is my God, he's my protector, he keeps me, then there is a canopy of protecting power. That no foe can penetrate. No evil can break through. Isn't that what this is saying all down through here? Certainly. Verse 3. If you'll say that. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the noisome pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll trust. His truth will be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid. Who shall not be afraid? This is our part. Can you see this now? If we will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my protector, my God, then he said he's going to deliver you. He's going to cover you with his feathers. But here, verse five, here's our part again. You shall not be afraid. Now you can take this with scores and scores of other verses in the scripture. How many times have you read where the Lord said, fear not? Commanded, don't be afraid. He told the fighters, the troops of Israel, actually when they were gathering together to go to the war, they would ask them, are any of you afraid? And if they were, they made them go home. I don't care how bad they were outnumbered. They made the scared ones go home. Why? He said, lest he make his brethren's heart to melt with fear. Fear is contagious. Yes, it is. Amen. Now you want to watch who you hang around. Amen. Did you hear me? Particularly when you're trying to stand in an area. You do not want to be around people who are filled with fear in that area while you're trying to stand. It's the opposite of what you're trying to do. And your fears, the Bible said, will come on you. Just like your faith will come on you, your fears will come on you. Now, I know that you have friends and you have family that you love. But these things can be life and death. There were times when I taught at healing school. Where people were given up to die. And uh, I'd have them with me for a week. And I'm telling you. At the end of five days. We'd have morning sessions and night. Uh, excuse me. Uh, morning and afternoon sessions. Sometimes they're getting four hours a word a day. And they look like death when they walked in Monday morning. And by Friday afternoon. Man they're. better, 80% better. I mean, look like different people, color different, energy level. You can tell life is working in them. Healing is working in them. Then they go home and I see them the next Monday and they look almost as bad as they did the week before. And I'm thinking, Lord, what happened here? And the Lord spoke to my heart about a particular case that I said, oh, it was so dramatic. They looked so good a couple of days before. And, uh, and the Lord dealt with me says, their family. It's their family. They're here in a faith environment with you. And it's like a flower in the sunshine. But then they leave that and they go into unbelief and fear. And even though they're friends and family, they mean well, they're just full of fear. Just full of fear and doubt. And they look at them in that pitiful tone of voice. A hundred times a day and go. How do you feel? You don't look good. I can tell you don't feel good. Now don't talk all that faith stuff to me. Tell me how you really feel. Well that's how you die. I'm serious. It's not just my thoughts. The Bible said life and death is in the power of. the So there are times in your life where you just, you can't afford to spend a lot of time around people filled with fear in that area. If you're really strong and and it's not an issue to you, then yeah, you need to influence them if they'll listen. But if you're, you know, you feel like you're kind of hanging on yourself, you don't need the additional load of their fear. So govern your time with people and where you go and what you do and who you spend time with accordingly. Maybe later it won't be that big of a deal. But right now, especially if you're fighting for your life, you need to be around folk full of faith. Right? Full of life. People talking positive. People talking living and not dying. Healing and not being sick. Well, what if you're going under financially? You don't need to be around people talking negative about money and how it's not God's will. Does it make any difference where you go to church? And what kind of preaching you hear? And what kind of people you run with? I know it may sound like an exaggeration, but it can be the difference between life and death. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. He said, verse 5, you shall not be afraid. Who's going to not be afraid? Is that, whose part is that? Your part. My part. Fear not. Verse 7, if you'll do that, if you won't be afraid of any of this stuff, the, the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that walks in the darkness, destruction that wastes at noonday, if you won't fear any of that, verse 7, what'll happen? A thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Now, people have quoted this, but they didn't quote the previous part. When a thousand are falling through a storm, a hurricane, a destruction, a terrorist attack, ten thousand people just died all around you here, what would be the normal response? For you to be terrified. Huh? Huh? You just watched 90 people die in the last 30 minutes right around you. Uh-huh. And already 800 have died that day in your city. Uh-huh. Yes. What would be the normal response? Sure. For you to be afraid. Right. And if you let yourself fear, then you're not doing your part. That's right, right. Do you see this? Yes. If you let yourself yield to the fear and panic. And here's the thing. If you weren't here, we went into detail about it. In fact, we taught a series sometime back called Free From All Fears. Amen. And not just us, but whoever feeds you in this area. You do not have to be afraid. Amen. You can have goose bumps you can have the hair sticking up on the back. You can have your knees bumping together and you still do not have to be afraid. You can say, no, I refuse this fear. I refuse to yield to this. I resist it in Jesus' name. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? Fear no evil. I what? Fear no evil. I will fear no evil. What if you can't help it? You can. yeah. Well, he wouldn't have said that. He would have said try. No. Now, you know, a lot of your modern translations will add words like try and it's not good. Right. It's not in the original. The Lord never told you to try to do anything. Amen. That would imply he didn't know whether you could or not. Yes. He would never tell you to do it unless he already knew you could do it. Amen. That's why he never needs to tell you to try. Amen. Amen. Right? God. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Did the Lord ever say, don't be afraid? Yes. Hmm? Did he say, don't be afraid? Yes. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Yes. Only believe. Yes. Well, then can you do it? Yes. If you're going to be protected, you must. Yes. Said out loud. I will, I will not fear. Any disease. Any, disease, any man. Any, man any, criminal, any criminal. Any enemy. Any, enemy, any devil. Devil, any, terrorist, any terrorist, I refuse, I refuse to, fear any to fear any of it. God protects me. This is your part. Can you see? Number one, you say God is your God and your protector. Number two, what? You do not fear because your fears will come on you. That's a spiritual law too. You do not fear. Can you keep from it? Yes. yes, you can. It's not based on feelings. No. It's a decision. Yeah. It's an act of your will. Yeah. You can feel afraid and not yield to it. Amen. Yeah. Hmm? Now, if that sounds new to you, don't let this get away. This is such a big area. I, you almost want to teach on it all the time because you see people making decisions and doing things out of fear continuously. Around you. And what they're doing. If you're being led by fear. You're not being led by the Lord. Huh? Who's in fear? Who's behind fear? And the Lord of death. You wind up being led by the enemy. And people are doing all kinds of things out of fear. They didn't pray about it. They didn't hear from the Lord. The Lord didn't direct them to do it. They just did it. Because they were scared. That this was going to happen. Or that wasn't going to happen. And when you do. That sets you up for the enemy to manifest destruction in your life. We are not led by fear. I mean, go on a mission to identify and eradicate fear out of you. It'll be one of the best things you ever did for yourself and your kids and your family. Because the only way to keep uh, fear out of your kids in your house is to get it out of you. You got to get it out of you first. So don't be afraid. What else did he say? Because you have made the Lord... Which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. We just got through reading this verse two. That's what you're saying. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. You know, they, uh, I read an interesting study on this, uh, some years ago. Uh, they put, you know, how they put all these probes and pads and that check the heart rate and the blood pressure and brainwave activity and et cetera, et cetera. They're doing tests to see how fear affected the immune system. Because they had seen enough to suspect that it did. We can tell them before they run the test. (laughs) What you fear will come on you. What does that mean? It affects physiological changes in your body that makes you subject to it. And isn't that what Hebrews said? That we have been delivered from him that had the power of death We've been delivered those who all their lifetime were subject to bondage because of the fear of death. Fear of death makes you subject yeah. to bondage and destruction. Faith in God makes you immune. Did you get that? Yes, and I thought it was interesting. They, they put all these uh, whatever on the guys. And they brought them into a room with somebody that was really, really sick with a contagious uh, flu thing type. And they indicated it was more contagious than it even really was or worse than it was. And they had a flu in there, you know. And they found out about it after they've been in and touched them and been around them. And the ones that said, ah, you know, I never get the flu. Their blood pressure was the same. Their heart rate was the same. Their immune system, you know, the t- indicators that they could see, see. But there were the people that said, oh, oh, why didn't you tell me? You let me come in here? And I mean, here goes the blood pressure, the heart rate. And they said that person's pores actually opened up wider to draw in the germs. And the fear effect lowers your immune system makes you susceptible to it, and then lowers your defense. Yes. Now, our science is in the very, very infancy of discovering these things. They're beginning to. There are even, there's a lot of people in the medical field that are recommending laughter now. Huh? They are. Well, how long has that been in the Bible? Well, what's laughter the opposite of? See, grief and sorrow and fear, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. What about the strength of your immune system? Your whole being. It's your strength. But I thought, isn't that interesting? They're having indications of it scientifically. They said to people, that got scared and go, oh, you know, and, and a lot of times they'll say, oh, my God. And, and they're not talking to God. They're just using his name. in vain. Oh, my God. You didn't tell me. I, I can't. And then they cover their mouth up and they go, oh, you, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Where's some alcohol? I got to wash my hands. And, and their heart's just racing and their blood pressure. They said their pores in their face, they literally open up. Well, that makes you more susceptible immediately to the germs that are around. And then your immune system is diminished. Your defense is taken away. Spiritual law. What you fear will come on you. What about when you don't fear it? What about when you don't fear it, but you decree and say, God is my protector. He keeps me. No evil will come near my dwelling. I am not afraid of disease. I am not afraid of enemy. The arrow that flies by day. The pestilence that walks in the dark. I am not afraid. Because God protects me. That's your part. That's my part. Can you see why a lot of people are not being protected? They are not doing their part. They are not saying that. They make fun of people like me and you that do. And they are afraid of everything. And they'll tell people. So much of what people discuss in church is about fear. And they talk about what they're afraid of in the parking lot and at the cafeteria after the sermon. Sadly, that's what so many preachers talk about. Fear, fear, fear. When you really begin to see it, you'll see how much of it's around. It's everywhere. Fear, 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 fear. And if you want to be protected, you must rid yourself of it. Verse 11 gets us to last week's message. (laughs) This has been a review with some additions. Hmm? But I mean, if we just acted on what we've already read, hmm? how many got two main things that you're supposed to do? Have you got them? Number one's what? Yes. You. Don't just think it. Open your mouth and say out loud. And don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed or intimidated about it. Because you're going to want him to show up and protect you. Yes. Right? So you need to not be ashamed of him. God's my God. And there, there are times you'll need to say it in front of other people. Don't try to be pushy and don't try to, you know, push off something on them. But there are times when for you to be silent is for you to accept something for yourself that you don't need to accept. Amen. There are times you need to say, well, no, no, no. Now God will protect us. Yeah. Amen. Hmm? Right. They may look at you sideways and they may give you four or five. Well, you just never knows. But you need to say it for your own benefit and for your family. Because you know it's part of your responsibility spiritually. So God can have a legal right to protect you. So you say it. Well, God will protect us. He'll keep us. Somebody was talking to me the other day about a crash that occurred. And they looked kind of startled. But when I looked at them, I said, well, that'll never happen to us. We'll never crash. They looked at me like, well, who do you think you are? (laughs) But I needed to say it. Did you hear me? Because there are times the enemy will try to bring a thought to you. Well, they were 15,000-hour pilots. Professionals that fly every day. And they didn't get out. So the enemy will come and try to say, well, how about you? That's when I say, it will never happen to me because God protects us. It ain't because I'm so smart or so bright or so amazing. It's because i got a God who protects me and keeps me. And he has assigned angels to me, right? And they'll pick me up. If they have to, they'll pick me up. They'll pick our car up. They'll pick our plane up. They'll pick our house up if they have to, right? Well, I just think that's extreme. Well, it won't work for you then. You're exposed. We want to be covered. We want to be in this perilous, dangerous world. We want to be covered. We must do our part. He gives his angels charge over you. Now I touched on this. Do you have a few minutes for me to go further in this tonight? Hmm? Let's do. Go with me in the Old Testament to Genesis 35. Genesis 35. We saw passages where the angels of the Lord manifested physically and protected God's people, didn't we? And it's a, we just touched on it a bit. I mean, if you want to do a study, it's a wonderful study to see how many times God's angels physically manifested and physically protected God's people. And the Bible talks about the little children. Jesus said, Their angels do always behold the face of my Father. And we said, Why would you think you lost your angel? Because you grew up. It's obvious we have an angel or angels assigned to us. God has commanded them, the Bible says, to keep us. They have a charge from the Almighty Creator. Hmm? Do you think they take that seriously? To do what? To protect you. Your angel came in with you tonight. He will go back with you. That is his job. Is to keep you. And it's one reason why you are still breathing in here tonight. Because there were a lot of different opportunities. For you to be taken out. From birth. Until now. Right. Hmm? Uh, in the future, we're going to learn a lot about that. I'm talking about after this life. But there's so many places and times where the devil tried to take your life. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Hmm? Yes, sir. Yeah. You know better about yourself than anybody else. I mean, I, I'm just thinking a thing after thing of myself. When I was a little baby, I had this runaway fever and had this stuff. And uh, I could have easily died right then. so many of you as children in the womb and after... Time after time where well, the devil would have destroyed you, but God's angels spared you, kept you, protected you. As little children, there's a lot of stuff you don't even remember that you did. Nobody knew you were about to be destroyed. And uh, the angel took your tricycle and got it out of the street, put it back on the sidewalk. You don't even remember it. Did you hear me? This kind of stuff has happened over and over and over and over again. And it would be silly to think that you don't have an angel anymore. Some people need their angels more now than they did when they were little. It seems, you know, it seems like that anyway. But they have been assigned to us. Now, if this is new to you, get the previous CDs and what have you and study it out for yourself. But here is another way that these angels manifest other than just physically manifesting and physically attacking your enemy or whatever. There are other ways they do this. Genesis 35, 5 uses a phrase. Genesis 35, are you there? 35, 5. It said they journeyed and what? The terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Normally, with what had happened, these peoples would have pursued them and tried to destroy them. But they didn't even go after them. They didn't even try to catch them or try to hurt them. Why? The terror of God fell on them. So they just stayed at home. (laughs) Did you see this now? The terror of God is part of your and my defense. And the angels of God are involved in this. In Exodus 15. I want to turn to a few scriptures. Exodus 15 and 16 talking about God bringing his people into the promised land. Of course, that first generation did not go in. Why? Hmm? Why did they sit? Why did they not obey the command to go up? Why did they sit and cry in their tents all night after they'd seen what a good and wonderful land it was? For fear of the inhabitants. For fear. For fear. What kept them out? They would think the walled cities, the giants kept them out. But that wasn't true because the next generation went in and took it. Walled cities and all. What kept them out? Fear. Fear kept them out. That's what's keeping modern people of God out of their blessings. He said, verse 16, fear and dread shall fall upon them, your enemies. By the greatness of your arm, they'll be still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which you have purchased. Glory to God. There is the terror of God, is the phrase the Bible uses, that can fall on the enemies of the people of God that will paralyze them and shake them to the point where they... Don't follow their plan to hurt you and to harm you. And the angels of God are involved in this too. And we talked about this. There can be some no-gooder eyeing you, eyeing your house, eyeing your car, eyeing your children. And see, how do these things start? They don't just happen. The enemy plants thoughts in people that yield to him. And before there's an action, there's a plan, there's a thought, something to follow. Why? We're talking about victims. Why did they choose that person instead of that person? And you know what Christians start saying? Well, you just never know. (laughs) And you'll even hear people saying, well, it was the will of God. It was not the will of God for some demon-possessed man or woman. To come in and kill somebody's children? Did you hear me? Yeah. Rape somebody's wife? Steal? Some... No, absolutely no. Hallelujah. Not the will of God. Right. Hmm. Well, then people become philosophers. Yeah. Theories why it happened to this one, and to them it just seems completely random. And nobody... Well, the devil is going about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to kill everybody and destroy everything. Oh, but there are some he may not devour. There are some he can't even find. Huh? It's the protected. It's the kept. Can you say amen? Tell me again, what's your part in this deal? Say of the Lord, he's my protector, he's my refuge. What else? Do not fear that these things will happen to you Amen. and yours. Do not let the fear in. Now, let's say some no-gooder is in the enemy's trying to work them up to attack you, to steal your stuff, destroy you, hurt you. Your big old angel saw them when they drove up to the street. Hmm. And he can just lean on their shoulder. And all at once they feel this terrifying presence. <laughs> they don't see anything. But they just start sitting there shaking so much that they drop their cigarette and burn their self. <laughs> <laughs> and their heart is palpitating and they're sweating profusely. And this thought comes to them, you do that and you could die. You better run out of here. You better run out of here. And they start up that car and peel rubber and get out of there. And they don't tell anybody because they want to be tough, you know. But something happened to them. Are you listening now? This is real. You need to believe in this. And have faith that anybody tries to plan to do evil to you, this kind of thing manifests and happens. The terror of God. You don't even have to know it. You just know it didn't happen. Do you see this? Go with me to Exodus 34, please. Exodus 34. Now, we've actually been uh, reading about some of these things, haven't we? In our readings about the... times of gathering and celebration that God told them in this chapter here, specifically that he told them three times in a year they were to come together. And that means they had to leave their home and travel great distances through, you know. And in those days, there were perilous situations just like today. There were robbers that just hid out by these main trade uh, roads because they knew people would be coming through there with money to go buy stuff and they'd rob them and kill them. Yeah. And so, oftentimes too, if anybody heard that the men, and that's specifically what he told the men to come and meet together, if the men had left the village and the enemy found out about it, well, they'd just go take the village while the men are gone. Yep. And they knew this. And, of course, the Lord knows this. And notice what he tells them. He said, uh, verse 22, the end of it, you'll observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Verse 23, thrice in the year, Exodus 34, 23, thrice, three times in the year, shall all your men, children, appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Now get this, neither... Shall any man desire your land when you go up to appear before the Lord, your God, three times in the year? He knew that would be an issue with them. And he'd be thinking, man, I can't go and leave my stuff. I mean, those uh enemyites will come over. God said, no. No, they won't. You doing what I told you to do. And I'm telling you, they will not even desire your stuff while you're gone. This is part of the protection of God. Can we claim it today? Is God still the same God? Oh, yes. 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 Does this do anything for you? Man, this should comfort your soul. This should do something for you. He said, they won't even want your stuff. Hmm. Remember Proverbs said in Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You're doing what the Lord told you to do. He told you to go over there. Then he said, I'm going to cause that your enemies don't even desire your stuff. And I suppose if any of them had got a thought, then this terror would fall on them. And they'd say they don't want yours. They want somebody else's, but not yours. Not yours. Say it out loud. The Lord does this for me. The Lord moves so that my enemies don't desire my stuff, don't desire my stuff. lose their desire, lose their desire to, hurt me. to hurt me, any that would think. To harm, me or mine. to harm me or mine. The terror of God. The terror of falls, God. On them falls on them. And they flee. And do it not. And do it not. For God. For God. Is, my is my protector. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you believe this? Yeah. The Bible said, and don't try to turn these, but I'll just mention them to you in closing here. More than once, you've read it, if you've read the Old Testament, and of course around here we're reading our Old Testament. Amen. There were time after time after time when God's people trusted him, even though they were vastly outnumbered by the enemy, and something happened in the enemy camp. Remember reading about this? The Bible said in First Samuel fourteen fifteen, there was a trembling in the host, in the field and among the people, the garrison and the spoilers they trembled and the earth quaked. And again and again, when this trembling would come on them, this is the terror of God. A lot of times they get so scared they either just run like they're running for their life, or they turn around and start fighting each other. <laughs> Didn't they? Have you read this? It happened over and over again. Not just a couple of times. This is part of God's defending his people. This is a way that he does it. The Bible said in... Now, what happened on that occasion? And you, as we're studying this, I'm seeing more of it. What happened? Jonathan and his armor bearer acted in faith fearlessly. Remember that? They attacked the army By themselves. Did you read about it? Does this do anything for you? I'm, I'm telling you, it makes me want to read about the war horse and Paul. Some, we talked about that earlier. These two men, these are men. They prayed and they said, well. If they say, stay right there, we'll come get you, then we won't go. But if they say, come, come up here and we'll show you something, we'll come. So they showed themselves. An and the enemy saw them. And they said, come up here, we'll teach you a thing or two. They said, that's it. God's going, it takes some courage. This ain't no fear here, right? They climbed up that hill and they started fighting and they just waited. I'm, two men, two men waded into the army, the whole army of the enemy. And the Bible said there was a trembling in the host. Their fearlessness and their faith allowed their angels to come on the scene and their God to come on the scene. And the whole host started shaking. They had a great victory that day. Judges get in and a few hundred, the three hundred, with trumpets and lanterns. Right? He said, do what I do. Boy. Now, it takes faith to send most of your guys home. And take 300 and go to attack. Faith, not fear. And they stood up and they blew their trumpets and they broke their pitchers that had the lantern inside. And they blowed their trumpets and they held up their pitchers. And the Bible said when they stood every man in his place round about the camp. All the host ran and cried and fled. Three hundred against hordes of thousands. Yeah. And something hit them. God. I said something hit them. Yeah. The terror of God. The three hundred blew the trumpets. And the Lord said, every man's sword against his fellow. They started fighting and killing each other. And all they had to do is stand up there and blow their trumpet and hold their lantern. And the enemy wiped himself out. Can God still do things like that today? (laughs) Oh, my, my, my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if this whole nation would call God its God and trust in him, God would raise up. Destruction and terror would fall on the terrorists, for they have sown terror. And it'd come back to them, many fold over, until they would shake and run and flee and destroy themselves. Amen. Hallelujah, I believe that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In closing, go to Second Kings 7. I think it's closing, no guarantees. <laughs> I tell you what, you, uh, situation come up and you know what to do and you get protected, you won't be fussing about a few extra minutes of message, no, would you? <laughs> Second Kings, the 7th chapter. The city is under siege. People are starving to death. There's so many enemies, they're so powerful on the outside, they dare not go out and try to fight them. The man of God says, 24 hours from now, food's going to be plentiful and selling dirt cheap right here in the city. The leaders thought that was impossible. Verse 3, there were four leprous men. You know the story, don't you? At the entering in the gate, they said, why do we just sit here and die? If we go in the city, ain't nothing to eat in there. We'll die. If we sit here, we're going to starve and die. So come, let's go fall to the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we'll live. They might feed us. And if they kill us, we'll just die. That's what we're going to do anyway. So they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there, not one soldier. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians, and they've come on us. So they rose and fled in the twilight, and they left their tents, they left their horses, they left their donkeys and their camp, and they fled for their life. But there were no Egyptians. And there were no Hittites. And nobody left the city. There wasn't one horse. Our warrior, our shield, our spear, our arrow. They were hearing things. (laughs) But the whole army heard it. And they ran for their life. Can God do things like that today? Can he cause your enemies to hear things? Yes. And go, what was that? What was that? I got to get out. Forget this. Forget this. Get out of here. Get out of here. Run. Yeah. Yeah. And so they don't hurt you. Right. They don't attack you. Right. The terror of God. Amen. The manifest presence of the awesomeness of the angels of God yes. around your enemies. Thank you, Lord. Shake them. Make them tremble. Yeah. Scare them. Cause them to run and leave. God. And leave you alone. And most of the time, you never even knew it. You were just snoozing in your bed. (laughs) Because you laid down yourself in peace. And sleep. Because your God only causes you to dwell in perfect protection. Can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet. Let's praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge.